guys. Hey, Mel, let's start this. Let's start this ship. It's the Sustainiacs. Welcome to the show. It is the Sustainiacs, the sustainable Mr. Stanton. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's like the, it's a it's a it play on the incredible Mr. Limpet or the amazing Mr. Limpet or something like that. I don't know. George yeah. Abernathy would correct us if he was watching here. Anyways, Don Knotts was a was a. It doesn't matter. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Supply Chain is here, Emma. She's Emma Whiteman. I'm Mike Vincent. I don't know what the hell's going on. Emma, just talk to talk to him and I'll record it. Yeah, we're here today. You know me, Emma. Uh, we're here today. Mr. Supply Chain. We're excited to have him on. We just spent the last, for context for anyone listening, we just spent the last 15 minutes talking about things that I do not know about and I do not remember. So it's been fun for these two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it just makes you feel old. But Mr. Mr. Supply Chain is a friend of mine. We met uh, on a day when um, I got in trouble because I revealed to him our 3D maps. And we, I wasn't supposed to let you take a picture of it and put it on LinkedIn, but you did. And I got a, I got I got called about an hour afterwards and yelled at. But it, it was all You're good. Welcome. It was all good. You're welcome. <laughs> at, I think we were at CSCMP out in, out in uh, um, I think uh, it wasn't San Diego. It was Anaheim, I think, or something somewhere out there somewhere out west but it doesn't matter but you are a an an author and a professor and all things supply chain and i've been in supply chain for 34 years and now i'm doing this stuff here as well with sustainability and obviously sustainability in the supply chain is a huge thing are we allowed to talk about your books daniel i i I think we're required to talk about my books, Michael. I see that shirt you have on. I still don't. I don't have a supply chain for dummy shirts. Still, I'm just saying. Oh man, my marketing department is just sucking these days. <laughs> so, Mister Supply Chain, are we allowed to talk about the next book that's coming out? Or we sure or can. We sure can. Yeah, no, no, cool. no, no. So no, you, you've good. got one. Well, you've got one coming up, and one of the big things inside of it you're talking about. You got a big section on supply on on sustainability and supply chain. And that's why we're talking today is really big bringing this in there. And I want to talk about it because a lot of people think and they focus on just uh, like emissions and emissions is it. It's just emissions and that's it. And if we all go to electric, it'll be fine. It's a ton more complicated than that. Is it not, Daniel? It totally is. It totally is. And you know what, what I love about having this conversation with, with you guys is you, you get this that like, Sustainability and supply chain aren't different topics, right? They they are 100% linked, embedded, like um, any, you know, issues that we have around um, human and industrial impacts on the planet are the result of supply chains. And anything right. that we're going to do to reduce or improve that impact is going to happen through supply chains. And so, um, you know, in, in order to, to be effective in trying to reduce climate change and improve sustainability, we've got to figure out, like, how do we make that make sense in, and, 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 and execute it, bring it forward through, through supply chains. So as, as you mentioned, um, I, I uh, am the proud author of Supply Chain Management for Dummies. Um, right on. It, it, the the best selling book in the world about supply chain for several years running. Continue. I'll be right back. <laughs> um, you know, take take that for what you will as as a um, a data point about society today. Um, 
but uh, we we are now. Uh, <laughs> there you go. So that's the the second edition with the the cargo ship on the cover. Um, yeah. And strategically, I have to point out to everybody, it's not signed. <laughs> Again, my Bless marketing you. department, right? We, <laughs> we got to get on those folks. Um, but but one of the things that 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 I love about um have having you know that book first of all it's hard for me to believe that there was no supply chain management for dummies five or six years ago before wiley asked me to to do it like yeah. how could nobody have done that yet um and so i i was happy to, to write it and basically what i did is took course notes from university classes that i'd been teaching and turned it into a readable book um and I, ironically, now that's that's a feat in itself right there, my friend. You should right? get like a Pulitzer or something for that. That's unreal. OK, yeah, we tell, lost tell you me how at, far back uh, you want to roll it. Yeah. So I, I said it was okay. unbelievable that you were able to make course notes readable and entertaining. And you said it's funny because I was drunk at the time. <laughs> how did you know? Uh, all right. So three companies that are examples of stuff that I think is just, you know, radical improvements from a sustainability perspective that have everything to do with supply chain. So the first yes. one is natural fiber welding, right? Which makes right. a material that looks and acts like leather, except there are no cows, there are no chemicals involved. There's there's essentially no emission uh, of, of carbon dioxide. What they do is they grow plants. They put those plants through some combination of blenders and panini presses, and they turn them into a material that looks <laughs> and acts like leather. Um, the The material, I, the company's based in Peoria, Illinois, right? It, in the middle of a bunch of cornfields. Um, and so they're surrounded by their raw materials. And when the, the material reaches the end of its life, you just grind it up and you can use it to recycle and make more of the same stuff. Or you can drop it in the ground. It's fine because it's, it's all. Awesome. And you've and you've got one of these. And you've got one of these. You got, here, here's this. my natural fiber welding That's wallet awesome. made by by Belroy, um, which I've had for going on six months now, and it, it looks like it's brand new. Amazing. Right? So does it come in like teriyaki flavor and hot flavor right. and natural like Beyond Meat jerky? You, does or you laugh? It... I've got Beyond Meat jerky in my house. Because of you, jerky boy. That, that's my new nickname for you. Is you've been pitching that stuff so hard, I had to get some, and it is delicious. Is but it I'll not? sit down, and I will eat a whole bag of it. And so it's not helping at all with my uh, my weight loss yeah, goals. My my promotion of that stuff is now come back to bite me right in the ass because my 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 eight year old will come home from the store with with her mom. And my beautiful wife, Melissa, and she'll have a bag of teriyaki and they didn't get any for me. Right. Right. And she, and she won't let me have any, and she will not let me have any. I'm like, it, okay. it, it is good stuff. It goes down way too easy and it is not yeah. cheap. And so I did not need another expensive addiction, no, it isn't, Michael Vincent. But, but as far as a good one, and let's get to your second and third one, but real quick on that Beyond Meat Jerky, what I love about the fact is that they've they've actually mimicked jerky, right? There's pieces in there that will make your you jaw hurt, you and you need to tear it. It's got the right consistency and everything. Yeah, it's really they, they good. They nailed it. Really good. All right, Who's your number one. two, man? Second one. Company called Simply Fiber. Um, out of, I, I think they're based up in New York. Um, they make, uh, a, a, you know, cotton 
cotton-like soft woven materials, but but instead of weaving it, they're able to mold uh, cotton-like materials. And if if you think about the supply chain for cotton, right? You grow the stuff in Texas, you ship it to Asia, you do all the processing, yeah. turn it, and and with Simply Fiber, they just eliminate, you know, whatever per, huge percentage of all of that. You grow the material, they've got some process that they run it through, and then they mold it into the shape that you want. And you've got, you know, so, uh, you know, they, it's actually been, cotton. It's, it's yeah. actually cotton. Okay. Yeah, and, and natural fibers. So I, I, my understanding is they're not limited to just cotton, um, but but it's a totally different supply chain because of the manufacturing process, and and you know because of that, like they equate it to being like three D printing for clothes, and it, sure. it's not that you're actually three D printing it, but 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 it is similar to three D printing in the sense that you can do mass customization. Right, you can make make each product to the unique needs of that particular customer, um, and and you can decentralize the manufacturing. Right, you can just set up these molds and do them anywhere. So wow, right, and so that's that is sort of both a material and a manufacturing process innovation that you know really changes the the sustainability footprint for products that literally, you know, all 8 billion of us on the planet consume and have, you know, an, an impact on the environment. Third one. And something you Come have on. to oh, buy too. I mean, something right. that is necessary. Absolutely. Absolutely. Third that is one. amazing. Emma, uh, down uh, in, in Central Square, um, not too far from you, there there is um, a, a startup incubator and one of the companies in that incubator is called Rise Robotics. Um, Rise Robotics has developed an electromechanical um, uh, uh, actuator I know. I that lost um, replaces hydraulics um, in industrial applications. So if you're, you know, you think about supply chain that involves, you know, a lot of trucks. A lot I of mean, it's his Wi-Fi. There are lots yeah. of places where for uh, you've got hydraulic connections that are used to move things and to push things. Well, hydraulics are, are energy intensive, right? It, it requires a, a lot of juice to, to make the hydraulics work. Um, and in a lot of cases, you know, they they're they use petroleum-based lubricants, right, as fluids and all mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. Rise Robotics just eliminates all of that. It just becomes an electromechanical device. Well, um, so much more efficient, but also much less um, uh, dependent on petroleum and and um, you know not only chemical or, or 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 products that we have to extract from the ground, but chemicals that we have to dispose of at the end of their life. So Daniel, what, um, the, the carbon footprint of supply chains change is changing right now because of, of nearshoring and reshoring, I guess, or just onshoring 2.0 or whatever you want to call it. Right. 
Sh- yeah, shoring someplace else. Everything's yeah, shoring someplace else from where it was. Right, right. shuffle now, all the but, on the board. Yeah, it's all getting crazy, right? And so, and and so now, and you can see it in the in the gateways and the ports in, in into the United States, right? The Larey, the Mexican border is just is crazy now with more and more freight coming through there, more and more production happening there, etc. But uh, this throws another layer on it as well, does it not? I mean, what's the potential for this to be a, a, like a huge disruption for uh, for logistics people and supply chain companies and providers in the fact that they've got to look at this and really be watching at these different tech, this, this different technology and what is going on there because the demand for their services changes dr- drastically as we move down these these lanes. No, I I think that's exactly right, Mike. And. And so the problem is nobody knows the answer, right? I mean, right. You you can guess, and um, you can be really confident in your guess, and you can say it in a way that would make people think that you know what the future is going to be, and and maybe they're more likely to believe you. But the truth is, we don't know. I mean, there's just so many moving pieces and so many variables that, uh, and and by the way, this to me is, is where sustainability and resilience really start to overlap sure is you say well you know if if there are if there's that much uncertainty if we don't know what the future is going to be we need to understand what the possible scenarios are and sort of prepare for lots of different potential futures so when you say we and prepare like i guess that brings me to a point where i'm like where where do you see the um I guess the burden of sustainability, is it more on the consumer? Is it more on the producer? Like, where do you see the balance between, I guess, those two parties? Is it more on supply chain people to be like, okay, we need to figure out how to do this? Or is it more on the consumer to say, I'm only going to support these places that are being sustainable? Or is it some combination of the two? Yeah. I. So am I... I don't know if it's exactly the question you're asking, but I'll tell you the question that I will answer. <laughs> How's that? Yeah. Yeah. Objection, um, your honor. Objection. <laughs> um, so, you know, what drives, um, what drives us to make better decisions and design our supply chains and, and, and implement supply chains in ways that are more sustainable. Um, mm. And, and you know, the truth is, if you think about the people that have to make the decisions running supply chains, um, when, they, when they make a change, there are only a couple of ways to justify making a change and, and you have to be able to show how it's better for the business, right? Mm-hmm. We should do this because it will benefit the business. Well, what are what are the potential benefits, right? I, I could make a change because it's going to reduce our costs. I could make a change because it's going to increase our revenue. Um, some combination of those could be um, making a change because it's going to increase our profitability. I could... Um, make a change because I want to avoid a cost in the future. For example, change something now so that I don't have to pay a penalty when the government comes and cracks down on me in a couple of years, right? Um, or change EPR, EPR, like EPR legislation. Right. right. Or change yeah. something now so that my business doesn't become obsolete 
when something changes in a couple of years, right? So, um, but at the end of the day, you've got to think about, well, whatever change we want to see happen or we, um, or, or, or maybe a different way of saying it is, is if you want to try to predict which changes actually will happen, go back and look at how it would benefit the companies involved. Um, so we, you know, I think we are seeing in some industries where there is pressure from customers and pressure from shareholders, uh, that creates an environment where companies see a benefit to making changes, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah okay. So Daniel, so to, to, to follow up from Emma's question, maybe I can answer a different way to force you, you know, to I answer, answer this. your question either, but I'll tell you which question I'll answer. <laughs> after it's, okay, so let me ask it this way. Don't you think that the pressures from the millennials be, are, are having an impact on what those benefits and what those, uh, 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 yeah, the outcomes and positive impacts of making those changes will be? I mean, because profitability is tied to sales. And it, it's already the studies are there that, you know, a, a millennial, 80 plus percent of them will buy something else if it's sustainable versus what you're doing. Right. And that's bleeding over into even me, Gen X and into baby boomers, boomers, because it's almost 70 percent there now because we're being convinced. Is that not a, a pressure that will hit it or is it purely going to stay in the. You know, the shareholders are happy with profits. And if I become sustainable, then my shareholders are happy. Is it still uh, just the dollar in that sense? Or is it convincing them that, hey, we got to do this and suck it up a little bit because it's the right thing to do. And this is the way society's going. And we really should do this. I see your answer. I got it. I, I mean, I mean, it, he's shaking I, I his wish head. It, I yeah. wish it weren't true. I got it. All right. All right. All right. That's a good um, enough answer for me. That's I a good mean, enough at answer the end for me. Of the day, at the end of the day, companies have to do what's in a company's best interest. And, yeah, well, and isn't what, it what to, like the planet do, is still here? Isn't that their, their interest? I mean, yeah, I mean, but the but the planet doesn't read the quarterly report. No, it doesn't. The, the, the company doesn't read the court. Like the company doesn't care about the planet. Maybe the people do, but the company itself as an entity does and, not. And, and I absolutely don't want this to be misunderstood to say that, that I don't think it's important and that I no, don't. No, I understand that. No, I get priority. it. Yeah. But I, I think the reality, I, I mean, if you look at the way businesses operate, yeah, a, a business is a, a machine for generating money, right? It creates yeah. value. Yeah. And so I, I think that the challenge is that we as citizens, participants mm -hmm. in, in um, national and global governance need to make rules wherein, you know, companies can make money, but are required to do it in a way that, um, you know, they're, they're not creating social costs that they don't have to pay for. Yeah. yeah. Right. EPR. EPR yeah, or some sort that. of, of, or, or some sort of uh, a form of it uh, in the right, in the right way. And those are, those are really slippery slope as well as, you know, England's trying to figure out their supply chains for food, et cetera. And should they have so right. much of their land uh, committed to supporting the cattle industry? Cause that's their big issue over there right now. And, how to correct that without saying, "Hey, we're now all officially vegan, or otherwise you go to jail," is is a, <laughs> is a difficult thing to stay away from. Right, right. right. Um, let me it's ask very you complex. this. 
Yeah, yeah. Let me let me ask you this, Daniel. Um, good friend of mine, and I know you know him as well, Thomas Healy from uh, Hylion, right? So Hylion's trying to get to hydrogen, and they're doing RNG right now as they try and get to hydrogen, right? And they've got this this agnostic generator, etc., uh, because he believes hydrogen is the way to go eventually. Uh, but right now, it's not necessarily all that green to produce it, and as you pointed out, the infrastructure is not all that great. But RNG, although just a wonderful thing because it's actually carbon negative, not just neutral because we're taking it out of all this stuff. There's not enough of it, even if we tapped into all of it to supply even more than like, I think a third of our fleet of trucks or something like that uh, and, and vehicles, right? So there's not enough of it. Um, so I ask this not to, to grade Healy on this, but should we be going down these roads where it's not, not quite green because we need to suck it up and get there? eventually, even though it may be, and where does that come in as far as greenwashing? I think, I guess my, my actual question comes down to greenwashing and what do you think that is? Is it positive? Is it negative? Is it a double-edged sword? Is it something that we should be pulling out and going, yeah, we need to, because you can't, we don't want to dupe ourselves into, into anything. Like the question, like, I, I agree what Michael's saying, but I almost feel like the question isn't, is greenwashing good or bad? I think the question is more of like, is doing anything even if it's not well thought out, is that what you meant, Michael? Or no, I, I, not yet. What kind of? I mean, the the, the legality. Wait, 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 so wait, legal- wait, 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 wait. In, in like one sentence, it was yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. Well, because it's a hard question. It's a really hard question, and I'm trying to trying to ask because it involves so many different parts. One one is this. I guess I guess there's a two part question. One, should companies like Thomas be like Thomas like like Hylian? Well, I believe, yes, should be going down these roads and trying to experiment and move things forward. I think pivoting and doing the right thing is the right thing to do. And he calls it, you know, it's well to wheel. Uh, uh, and and that's what we need to do and figure this out. He said there's, there's a sustainability company that happens to focus on the electrification of the powertrain for class eight vehicles. That's how he pronounced They're not a class eight vehicle or a powertrain. They're a sustainability company. And so I get it. And that's awesome. All right. So Making mistakes and pivoting as you move should be allowable and something we applaud because that's how we move forward. That's one. Do you agree with that? Two, does greenwashing, uh, do greenwashing legal suits go too far and prevent people from taking those risks until there's EPR or some type of legislation that forces them to have to take that risk? That's a good question. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Um. I hope I recorded that because I'll never say it that clearly again, I swear. Yeah. Um, my lawyer has advised me that I am not to comment on any <laughs> current, past, or future litigation related to greenwashing. However. Okay. Is that um, true? No. No. Oh, okay. Complete BS. But it sounded good, didn't it? it um, did. I would have accepted it and moved on, to tell you the right? truth. But. Yeah. No. Note to self, next time Michael has hard questions. <laughs> Michael, note to then, self, Michael's yeah, very my, gullible. No, <laughs> like use, pull that lawyer card next time. Um, yeah, I mean, greenwashing is bad, right? But, but doing something is better than doing nothing. And right. so the question is, um, how do you do something, take credit for being better than you could have been, um, be honest about, you know, it's imperfect, um, and, and, um, make genuine, authentic efforts at 
getting continuing to get better, right? Sort of that continuous yes. improvement mindset. Um, and and uh, you you know back to where we were earlier in the conversation, there are so many um, different technologies and business models and geopolitical forces at play at the same time that I, it just feels like it is impossible to, you know, pick the winners and, and predict the future yeah. with a whole lot of accuracy. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, it, uh, sadly, you got to believe there are a lot of really brilliant, innovative ideas that are coming out that are going to end up not being relevant or not being commercially viable because of nothing having to do with the founders, just that the world around us is changing faster than, than those innovations are able to, to make it into the marketplace. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because, right. At the end of the day, you know, we're innovating for the problems of today, but a lot of those innovations won't actually um, be available until the future and, and the world will be different. Um, I'll tell you, I, totally off topic. I'm going to take it a different direction. But uh, one of the technologies I was reading about um, last week, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's some folks who, who, who've de developed um, uh, wind generators specifically designed to sit on the tops of warehouses, right? As a complement to solar, no external moving parts. It's just this big box that you sit along the edges of, of uh, a warehouse. And it, it, if you think about the way an air uh, an, an airplane wing accelerates the air going over the top, and that's how you get lift, they use yeah. that same principle to accelerate the the velocity of um, air from wind, and then use that to generate electricity on site. Right, this nice. distributed power. Amazing. And and so it's not that nice. that replaces solar, but if you put that into the mix with solar, oh well, maybe now we don't need so much lithium for batteries. Right. Yes. And yeah. So yeah. 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 Every yeah. one of these pieces starts moving it around, and and you know the more I I've looked at that technology, um, that was developed, at, and I I wish I could um, I'll, I'll it, it 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 wind mine or something like that. I should I should know the the right name of the company, but they're working with Sandia Labs and one of the universities in Texas, and when you actually look at what they have, you're like, I could build that out of Legos. I mean, if it really yeah, works. It's the I, simplicity of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes and, and, and the so, new technology is going back to rock and chisel, right? And, and so, you know, deployment or diffusion of that technology is really only constrained by our manufacturing capacity, mm, right? Mm, mm, mm. So I, um, back to your quasi-question about greenwashing because there was so much stuff in there. Yes, greenwashing is bad, right? Companies, you know. Yes. Um, but but for me, greenwashing is when you know you have real issues and you sort of sweep those under the rug and you're not transparent about that. And then you, um, or you take the real issues and you hide them um, in your supply chain partners like, well, we don't Agreed. do that, but there's a third party that we contract with that does all of that for us. So it's just off of our books. That to me is, you know, classic greenwashing and supply chains. Um, so we need to be transparent. How do you force companies to be transparent? How do you make it in their interest for them to be transparent? I, I mean, I don't know how you do that without it, you know, either being um, shareholders demand it 
customers demand it to your point, right? You want to do business with mm-hmm. me. You got to, you, you got to be honest with where stuff comes from or the government requires it. Right. And, and it's regulation. And, and if I'm, if I'm in charge of a company and, and my focus is making money, I don't like any of those three, but if I'm forced to comply with them to keep my job, guess what? That's how we, how we get some of this stuff done. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, point. that's, that's a, that's a fair enough answer. I mean, yeah. I, I get it. I mean, the, the thing I do not like is the, is the frivolous lawsuits that are there just to prove a point and pick on somebody who was trying to do something and didn't really, there was no malicious intent within inside that. But I guess you, sometimes you got to have those lawsuits to figure that out, right? If they, anybody if they can sue anybody for anything. Yeah. That doesn't make it right though. <laughs> <laughs> right. But you're right. Yeah, they can. You can be litigious as, as hell as hell with this, with, with stuff. I mean, there's so many different and, things. And by that are the in way, there. if I don't, if I don't like the way you guys edit this podcast, you'll be hearing from my attorney. Just keep that in mind. Just keep that in mind. I know. No, no. Listen, uh, that's exactly right. Uh, I mean, it, it is, and there and there are companies that don't care, and there are some that I send it to, and then they say, "Okay, it's good to publish." Right? So, yeah, because I mean, our, our our goal is not to catch somebody and grab a, a soundbite and make I'm, them look I'm, like idiots or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. You just make I, it easy. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, man, man. So let's. I mean, let's talk about some of this a little bit more. We've got a little bit more time. We've got a lot of stuff in the bank, but this this has been really, really, really awesome. Circular economy, plastics oh, for one, right? You want to talk a little bit about circular economy and the fact that, I mean, when you start looking at it, everything is inventory. So for example, plastics, Primex plastics right here. I mean, they're all over the country. They got 152 different plants around the country, but there's one not 11 miles from where I am sitting right here, right? They move... 250 million pounds of recycled plastic a year is what they utilize into their stream, into their, into their products. And that is demanded by their themselves. They are private companies, so they don't have to answer to shareholders, but uh, it's demanded by themselves and from their customers are getting much more and more uh, pressure from their customers to have this certified material within their products. Now, whether that's current legislation, because some of the states have that or fear of new legislation, but what it's doing is is pushing them to source plastic from different places and causing it to come from shorter and shorter distances. Like right now, it's like 350 miles or something like that for a piece of plastic that moves before it's actually recycled, if it actually gets recycled, right? But now that they have to have these it's causing all these other innovations within the su- supply chain that is changing even the garbage hauling and that type, uh, that whole supply chain is even, even uh, CEO of P&G last year, last, last December came out and said, we're not going to make any of our ESG goals because I can't find enough plastic, recycled plastics to get it there. Right. I mean, so that type of innovation brings down those costs and makes it more economically viable for companies to then be green, right? Right now, the AB InBevs of the world and those that are that are buying the EVs and the hydrogen and all those kind of things, they're 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 definitely making an investment in the future. But those people that are doing that are the ones that are going to eventually help us bring down the cost so that it actually does have a positive impact and everybody adopts it, right? 
I'm, I'm going to take a step back and, okay. and, and, and say, we all use a lot of plastic and we love plastic because it, it's cheap and it's versatile, right? There's a lot of stuff we can do with it. Mm-hmm. But plastics as we know it today didn't exist 100 years ago. No, they right? did not. Mm-hmm. Plastics as we know them today um, are the result of a huge investment in research and development mm-hmm. in different ways of uh, processing and manipulating petroleum based really in 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 many cases byproducts right mm-hmm. what was left over after we refined out fuels so we we had a bunch of the stuff that was left over we did a bunch of research on on how to use it and and we now have a huge global extremely sophisticated industry for making plastics mm-hmm. um the source material for that industry for for large part is petroleum that comes out of the ground. And mm-hmm. um, there is, you know, there's a lot of debate about how much there is, but I think most of us agree there is a finite amount of petroleum in I the earth. I think. I'll be shocked um, if there isn't. Right. There are a growing number of people on the planet. We just hit the 8 billion mark. And so at some point you say, well, there's a finite amount of this stuff and and there are more people using it and wanting more of it. At some point that that math doesn't work. Right. Mm-hmm. And and you know, from a sustainability perspective, like I think it's it is great to take the plastics that we've already made and not put them into landfills or let them wash into the ocean and kill fish or get into our bloodstream. Um, by the way, I'll, another company I'll make a plug for, there's a company called Million Marker that exists to test your blood and tell you how much plastic um, you have in your body, among other things. Wow. Um, so it is, is keeping used plastic out of the environment good? Yes. Um, Overall, though, it just makes a lot more sense to me that we would look for alternatives. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like what natural fiber welding has done to say, hmm, you know, rather than making something bad less and and clearly not sustainable over whatever period of time, um, rather than just trying to make that a little less bad. How do we come up with an alternative that is not bad and that agreed scale that? Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you hundred percent. In the meantime, trying to collect and find something to do with and reutilize the plastics that's already there is guitar is picks. pretty, is pretty, everybody bu- in the world needs to learn how to play guitar and, and, and buy picks. And I'll tell you if every guitar player, according to the statistics, Bought one pack, we would take 32 million pounds of plastics out of the ocean. I love it. Make that happen. I don't and, think it's going to happen. And how but many we'll tortoises see. would we save in the process? I, I don't know. I don't probably know. So That's uh, <laughs> probably probably a, a ton. 
ton of them. Right. But yeah, there's so many different things. There's so many different nascent technologies that are being done right now that uh, the supply chain of just the plastics we could get into forever, Daniel, and have a huge conversation about it because you have all these, you know, so they're... Um, uh, University of uh, in Singapore and and some others making uh, hydrogen out of out of plastics. It, 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 their their process makes hydrogen and and carbon nanotubes. Yep. Pretty nice, except they have to have a way of getting all the plastic uh, 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 clean and separated in order to make that happen, right? And that's that's where the supply chain of even just those plastics just falls down and and breaks apart. It's not the people at the one end looking at these all these really cool ways of doing it, like putting these interesting wing or foil type boxes on top of warehouses to improve improve solar power, right? You've got to build that, but then you've got to find the breeze to enhance, right? And when you start looking at some of these other these other things, because you've got people like West Rock that run these MRFs, the big material reclamation facilities, but they're doing it to get the paper and the cardboard, right? The ancillary is the plastic. And that's why, and it's not their fault. It's the, the logistics are set up so that it's wish cycling and not actually recycling. Very little actually gets done. So, so two things I'll, I'll mention, and both of these are things I talk about in a lot of detail in the book. So, you know, when you say supply chain, what do you mean? And there are, there are lots of different ways of explaining yes. what a supply chain is. Um, but, but one of the, the simplest explanation is it's really made up of three flows, right? Which is very good for a sustainability conversation. So one of the flows in a supply chain is the flow of materials, right? And materials flow um, starting at the earth, right? From mines and mm -hmm. forests and oceans. Sure. They flow down the supply chain towards a consumer. Um, then there's a second flow, which is the flow of money. And money flows from a consumer all the way back up the supply chain to whoever extracted those raw materials from the earth. Yeah. And then the third flow is the flow of information, right? And information flows both ways in the supply chain. But when you really think about it, you know, while there may be lots and lots of, of layers or tiers in a supply chain, there is only one party injecting every dollar that goes into that supply chain. Hmm. And that is the consumer, right? Yes. So, and then that dollar gets divided up by all of the parties upstream in that material flow. And they're all fighting to, to maximize their profit and to get their share. Um. Then the other part is when you start talking about the reclamation and, you know, what happens to the stuff at the end of its life? Well, you're really asking the question, who who pays the, the bill for the stuff when the consumer is done with it? Mm -hmm. Is is that a cost that the consumer pays in addition to the money that they paid, you know, that that, that got divided up in the supply chain? Um, is that a cost that then has to go back to one of those parties in the supply chain, in which case they needed to get paid for it, right? The, the first time through, because now they got to deal with the problem in the future. Or is that an externality? Is that a cost that everybody else has to pay that that isn't borne by the consumer or any of the parties in the supply chain? And if that's the case, is that the way we want it to be or do we want to change that? I, I would... I would I would suggest I would suggest this professor I would suggest that it is another ground in 
from which the raw materials uh, uh, begin to flow towards the consumer. Post-consumer is nothing more than another mine. It's another forest if we look at it the right way. And it start, it's just another flow that then starts all over together. It's not necessarily circular. It is if you look at it that way. But yeah. uh, it is it is more that I mean, you, you even have uh, there there are investors um, that I know 100 percent and are around the, probably around the world. But I know of one that has bought several properties already in, in Africa where they're buying the old landfills. Sure. Because there will be the mines. Of Those the future. are the mines of the future. Absolutely. They're the mines of the future. Yeah, Absolutely. but 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 they they come with their own problems. Exactly, they, what you I, said I, is, no doubt about it. Know, yes, they on, do. on the one hand, the material may be more pure. On the other mm. hand, it may be contaminated. Right? Yeah, it, it, yeah. It we needs to be separated. <laughs> it needs to be right. Yeah, there's a lot of old card batteries at the bottom of those landfills, dude. There's a there's a lot of sludge pools from people like Diamond Shanrock that made Agent Orange and stuff like that that'll be uncovered when if they start looking at. It. I mean, we buried a bunch of ugly stuff, man, for a long, long time, right? Now sure. we're gonna be paying for it. Um, yeah, but you should save your money because what you need to do is buy the third edition. Well, yes, guitar oh. picks, but uh, if you buy a third edition supply chain management for dummies, Daniel will send you free guitar picks. <laughs> but no, nah, just you do a co-branding thing. Talk to my marketing people. You <laughs> Your are. marketing people are way behind the ball, man. They're so far. By the way, you know, I literally do have your t-shirt sitting here. I'm sure um, you do. I'm sure I, you do. I, am I going to see you in a couple weeks? I don't know. I actually, I think I need to make a trip out to St. Louis, which would take me right past your front door. So uh, maybe I'll slow the pickup down and I'll throw the t-shirt out the window as I drive past Chattanooga. <laughs> you got to stop by and I'll trade you what the truck, uh, some what the truck gear for. I love it. I love it. That'll work. I love it. That'll work. Dude, when is the book coming out, man? Are you allowed to say? It's available for pre-order already on Amazon. Okay, cool. And, and the great thing about um, Amazon's got this deal that if you pre-order it, uh, if the price drops any time between now and when it gets released, they will honor that lowest price. So, wow. so you can lock it in. So I, I actually, I, I think pre-ordering on Amazon is actually a pretty good deal. Yeah, oh, that's not bad at all. That's not bad at all. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, get them, order them for Christmas, man. Get them in. I'm going to order one on, on, on Amazon and see if it gets here by drone before the end of this show. It only takes a <laughs> Uh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Daniel, thank you so much for coming on, man. Where do people learn more from Mr. Supply Chain? And where do they sign up for your courses too, right? You got e-learning and all that kind of stuff on LinkedIn. Yeah, Spread uh, it everywhere, dude. Right. So so we got the book, but but uh, a ton of courses on LinkedIn learning. And, and one of the really exciting things about um, the LinkedIn learning courses is they're available in a bunch of languages. So uh, you can take those courses in, in Spanish or Portuguese, and, and now some of them are like in Polish and Turkish. So uh, Ooh, nice. to totally Japanese, Chinese, um, very, very global. By the way, what's great about that for companies is if you've got a global team, they can all take the same course in a local yeah. language. So you're yeah. not learning different stuff. Um, so uh, you can get links to all of that on my website, danielstanton.com. Um, and, you know, what, and, and of course, follow me on LinkedIn, follow me on Twitter. Um, you can 
listen to Michael and I abuse each other um, and uh, on Twitter. <laughs> um, Not friendly ribbing. Da- dad jokes and supply chain yes. humor. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. That's that's exactly right. And there, notice there's no Comedy Central for dad jokes. <laughs> Or or logistics humor, uh, right? I mean, there's some it, really good people out there that can meme the hell out of it. That is for sure. But I'm not one of them. That's right. <laughs> very very nichey. Yes so. yes yes. I love it. Hey, thank you so much, Daniel, and everybody. Hey, if you got hit, reach us at the Sustainiacs just about everywhere. Just search the Sustainiacs or email the Sustainiacs at gmail.com with any questions or concerns or anything like that or suggestions. Or if you've got a company and you want to come in and talk about it and spread the word, that's what we want to do is get companies, consumers, concerned citizens, everybody together so that we can all live sustainably together a lot easier than just being polarized and divided and deciding, well, they're evil because they make plastic or they're evil because they drive trucks. And that's, that's just not the case. Everybody's trying to make this happen. It's just a difficult thing, thing to do. Emma, where are they reaching out to you? Emma underscore Sustainiacs on Instagram. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. And if, like Michael said, even if you have, a, even if it's not your company, not your organization, if you have a company or org you really, really love, send them our way. Um, we rarely will turn people down unless they aren't quite what they say they are. So definitely I've got, let us know. Yeah. I've got four I wrote down here that I'm going to be contacting just that I picked up uh, oh, from yeah. uh, Mr. Supply Chain for sure. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Supply Chain sent us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'll let them know. Do I get, is that the code to get you like say your uh, name uh, at checkout? We get like 15% yeah. off or something. I get a free exactly. robot. I get a free robot wallet, a shirt, and they'll test my blood for free. If I say Mr. Mr. Supply Chain. Excellent stuff. Everybody. Hey, peace and love. We'll catch you guys next time.